eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. What's up? What's happening? Craig Hoffman here. Logan Paulson there. And joining us later in the show, Logan's broadcast partner, one of the two of them, uh, for the preseason games for the Commanders, Chick Hernandez doing the play-by-play. Uh, got to catch up with Mr. Chick a little bit earlier. By the way, uh, you will hear the origin story of the, the the nickname Mr. Chick. I didn't know the story. I just assumed that's what people called him because she's been around for for a hot second doing this. Uh, and just a respect respect for a guy who's who's been uh, been in it for a minute. No, there's a true origin story for Mr. Chick. Uh, so that that you'll hear uh, before his phone overheated. Uh, so we have about 15 minutes with, with Chick. Uh, that, that will end abruptly, but that's all right. It's really good stuff uh, from Chick getting ahead of the game on Friday. We will, of course, talk about the game on Friday uh, in just a little bit, but, Logan, a good old-fashioned Washington football controversy. Coach says something. Media goes nuts. Fans go nuts. I host a radio show imploring everyone to not be so damn dramatic. Sure. But at the end of the day, um, Ron Rivera says some players have come to him about Eric Bieniemy's intensity. Uh, he clarified the comments today as if to say, like, look, at the end of the day, like, we they went to Eric, they talked it out, we're all on the same page. Uh, no. This is great. He does regret uh, what I thought was a bit of a sloppy comparison to himself and Jack Del Rio and their head coaching experience. Ron clarifies today, you saw the comments yesterday, you've seen all the reaction. Um, as a former player, as an analyst who's been in a lot of locker rooms, what do you make of it all? I mean, surprise, surprise, I don't think it's that big of a deal. You know, that's kind of my thing on this. Like, it's, you know, especially now, like with certain colleges and the college situation and players coming directly out of college, it guys don't get coached the same way in college. And that's just a fact, right? Because of the transfer portal, guys can leave if things aren't going well. And here in the NFL, obviously, you don't have that luxury. It's like here or nothing. And so I think kind of understanding um, – a harder style of coaching is probably to be expected, right? Like, especially if you went to a program where that wasn't a thing in college, like even when I was coming out, like I went to UCLA and everyone was pretty middle of the road in terms of intensity. Like obviously EB was there when I was in UCLA. So I saw hard coaching. So when I came to the NFL, you know, there were certain coaches like that coached me very, very hard and I had to adjust to that. And it, it does take an adjustment period, but at least I knew that that style of coaching existed in the coaching universe. And I think there's a lot of kids now, guys that I train and stuff where it's like, you know, it's sunshine, it's sunshine and daisies all the time. And that's just not true of the NFL. And so I think um, understanding the standard that EB has, understanding the passion that EB has is probably going to take an adjustment period. And like, you know, and I get that. And I think it's like any work environment. If you have an issue, like go talk to your boss. And that's basically what happened. And like that's that, that's happened to me in my career. Like not like not that I felt I needed to go talk to somebody, but other people went and talked to the coach that was in question. And that's life, man. Like you got to learn how to deal with different personalities and deal, deal with different leadership styles. And like, you know, again, like and I think Ron was just in when his comparison to him and Jack, like they've learned over the course of a very, very long coaching career um, of, of being in positions as a coordinator, as a head coach of how to like manage personalities just a little bit better. Like 
You talk to EB for five seconds and you realize he is a very uncompromising dude. And that's something that I respected about him when I played. It's something I respect about him now. So to me, this is just like this. The, Ron basically said a bunch of facts that right. I think. And then now everyone's freaking out about it. Like it doesn't mean that locker rooms screwed up. It doesn't mean that everyone hates EB. It's just it's learning to deal with different types of people. Right. It was so incredibly human and people got yeah. so mad about it. Yeah. And I just I don't get it. And the thing oh, these players are soft. No, they just hadn't been coached yeah, like that yeah. before and they didn't really the, the thing that I don't get Logan is like we can talk about all this soft this like personality that like there's an efficacy thing here in terms of how effective is Eric Bienemy going to be as a sure. coach and how receptive not because they're so, quote unquote soft or because they can't take it but because they truly don't understand what is being communicated to them whether it is because of how or like if Eric just yells the same thing over and over again at them because these are very fast-paced practices like we've talked sure. about a lot and there's not a lot of room to sit down and talk things out and explain the why, which is something that Eric firmly believes in, mm -hmm. that if if they weren't getting that, if they weren't getting something they were supposed to, like going and trying to understand, create understanding from perhaps a different source, their head coach, who they might have been more familiar with, is fine. And Ron was like, yeah, yeah, you need to go talk to Eric. They do. They get on the same page. Like, that's good. And, yeah. and that's what I just don't get about this is it seemed like people – I think people get confused with my take sometimes because I'm very consistent as, like, an ideologue. Like, I think certain things are true. And when I think that even a person who I might not think highly of does something correct, I'll say it. And right. when someone who I do think highly of screws up, I'll say that too. And instead, people want me to – are used to like – I don't want to call it agendas, but like folks who just have a certain opinion on certain people. And no matter what they do, they will crush them if they don't like them sure. or praise them if they do. And like, I don't think Ron Rivera is the greatest head coach has ever walked the planet. I think anyone that's listened to me for any length of time knows that. I think Eric Bieniemy is a really, really good offensive coordinator. And so when I didn't just immediately, quote unquote, defend EB as if there's anything that even needed defending. Yeah. And I actually said there wasn't a huge problem with Rivera, like people freaked out. And, and I think that's a lot of what's happening here is there was this rush to defend Eric when there was no actual need. And then yeah. rush to crush Rivera because people don't like him or don't think he's good. And that created a firestorm around, as you said, a bunch of facts being said pretty mundanely into a microphone. Yeah, and in some ways I thought it was like it was really nice to get that kind of candor from the coach, you know, like yeah. this these are like people, people, you know, Kyle Shanahan is a great example of this. Kyle Shanahan is one of the most detailed, like no nonsense, like high standard coaches that I've ever played for. Early in his career, like, and he'll tell you this, he had a very hard time adjusting to players because his standard was here and he would communicate things to here. And if you couldn't meet him there, he was going to be very um, aggressive about it, you know, like, quite frankly. And so, you know, like, it's kind of that idea, like, you have to match my tempo. And I remember talking to him after he left, right after he left Washington, I said, you know, why don't you go be a head coach? There's head coaching opportunities, blah, blah, blah. He said, I'm not ready to deal with, like, the personalities yet. I need to mature a little bit. And that's, that is a part of the coaching process and journey that I think is so important. And so, um, you know, like, yeah, man, like I, I got like EB, I got, I got, I would say as far as I love EB, like he was awesome. You know, when I was at UCLA, like he was the guy that recruited me, like one of these recruiting coordinator in the UCLA, we were only there for a year, but like his, the way he coaches people and the standard he holds people to is, is awesome, but it is, it's abrasive as heck. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's aggressive and it's like, be here, meet me where I want to be met. And it's like, and it teaches you stuff about yourself, teaches you how to grow up. It's great, but it is hard to deal with if you've never seen it before. So I'm not, nothing in there is weird. And I think it's good that EB, you know, like has to kind of learn how to communicate. And that's all part of being a coordinator in the process. So I don't think this is an issue at all. I think EB's great. I think Ron's great. I think this is, regardless of what you think about Ron or EB, this situation is like a nothing situation in my opinion. And I'm sure yeah. people in the comments are going to freak out about it, but like, it's, it isn't like, these are people interacting with each other and dealing with different leadership styles. And that happens at 
you know, at work in the office, it happens in my new job. It happens with you. I'm sure like, it's just part of life, you know? So, yeah. And, and the thing is too, like, I, you know, some of the comments that like I've gotten on my channel on some of the, the commentary I did on this on Tuesday, like, well, I have a boss that was my way or the highway. And I'm like, did you like working for the guy? Yeah. Like, you know, did he actually get the best out of you? Sure. Yes. No, probably yeah, yeah. not. Probably went home and was like, yeah, boss sucked again today. <laughs> but you want that experience for the players when the goal is to win, right? You want to get the actual best out of them. And whether they, you know, go home and like, damn, EB really was on me again today or not. Like the question is, did he get on you and then actually get the most out of you? Or did he just right. get on you and make you mad and kind of shut down and not actually get anything good out of you? Which is why I think what Eric said yesterday was so important where he's like, you know, I will get on you, but I'm also going to be number one fan. And some guys yeah. don't even want to hear that. Some guys, some guys I'm cheering for and they're like, I don't want to hear that. Like, just tell yeah. me if I mess up. And yeah. it's like, you know, and that's the thing is like, there's, there is this adjustment to being constantly at 10, but I think it's an adjustment this team needs. And I think, so too. I, I think Ron thinks that, which is why he brought Eric in. I think a lot of key players believe that, which is why they're bought in. And that's the thing is like, it's creating that buy-in, which is happening. It's not, and yeah. Ron clarified that Wednesday morning, but I fully understood what he meant when his original comments on yeah. Tuesday, that there is a level of buy-in that is not instantaneous because it is kind of shocking to the system. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I, I agree, like I knew when he said it, I was like, Oh, that's going to be a story, which yeah. in that case, if you want to criticize Rivera and do the, the very silly theater commentary, about this fine but hear me out everybody out there freaking out what if we just all went instead of going oh that's gonna be something and then turning it into that we all acted like adults and went huh that was interesting thanks for the insight and yeah. kept it moving and i just yeah. don't get why we can't just act like adults but part of the reason is frankly logan like you got Booger McFarlane who played in the league and like won super bowls on espn freaking out about it and i yeah. that's where i'm just like I would ask you, like, what do you think the locker room reaction was? Because there are plenty of former players that actually were kind of leading the charge on the freakout, if you will. Well, also, I, th I think like we like we had um, we had some people come in and like consult on the show today, right, about how to make the shows more engaging and how to make you know like for the commanders. And yeah. one of the things they're always talking about is how do you create conflict because people watch conflict, right? So you know we're not getting to a point where like. You know, but he was kind of peeling back the curtain on some of these bigger TV shows because we don't do this. We just, we, we, you know, we're, we're kind of, yeah, we're, we're like, we just talk. You know, Fred, Tana, and I, we just talk. He's saying, like, in the production meeting, they assign perspectives. So they're like, hey, I don't know if this is true. Booger might actually feel this way. I don't want to speak for Booger. But it might be like, hey, Booger, take the, take the stance that you think this is ridiculous. And whoever else, take the stance that you think this is fine and go at it. And that, that leads to good, engaging television because that's how people talk. So I think that's also part of it is that like this is something in a time of year that's kind of slow. Preseason mm -hmm. football is not great and it's going to catch a little bit of heat. So, you know, whatever. Like I'll, I'll say, let me just say this last thing. So we had production meetings today for the preseason game and we got to talk to Jack and uh, EB and Ron and uh, Katzer, all the coordinators. And EB comes in there and his passion is evident from the second he sits down in the chair. His motivation, his love. And like I, you know, I haven't played in five years, four years, or whatever. And I was like ready to run through a wall for the dude. So I, I'm, I'm 100% positive that the guys understand who he is and understand what he's doing. And I have no issue or no, there's no doubt in my mind that he's the right guy and the right leader for the position. But that, even though you're right, doesn't mean you still don't have to kind of accommodate people's individual personalities. And I think that that is that is essentially what the statement said. And I think, and I, the other thing I think that's important to kind of note is I don't think this happened yesterday. I think this happened during like OTAs, these conversations, right? right? So it, like time has passed. They've learned each other. They understand what's going on. Like I, I really, I, and people say, Logan, you always downplay stuff. On this, I genuinely believe this is not a big deal at all. Like zero, like it's not a big deal is my, is basically my thoughts on it. Yeah. Uh, you and I are on the same page and uh, I'm not always one to like, I do think media freakouts are often silly, um, even though I'm a member of the media. And like, uh, so I said this yesterday on the show, I think this is important. Like the media becomes this conglomerate of actual reporters and fans yeah. talking on social media, which I think is very silly because then it becomes like media criticism. It's like no actual reporter said that. Uh, yeah. But like the, the outside criticism I think here is just, it's, 
it's people are going to take shots uh, yeah. um, based off preconceived notions. And that's on it. Like, I, I get that Ron could have been more tactful um, to avoid this. But I also like when people are honest and give candor. And so I appreciated the answer and just think we can handle it as adults. And thus, we will move on. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Commanders, right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. That is Logan Paulson. I am Greg Hoffman. Uh, Chick Hernandez again going to join us at the back end of the pod. So uh, you and Chick are on the call with B. Mitch on yeah. Friday. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, you you had all the production meetings and stuff today. Uh, what are you expecting offensively, defensively, snaps, strategy, whatever you can share, uh, top yeah. line items as you walk out of the meetings? Let's start with the offense. You walk out of the meeting with E.B., uh, you sprinkle in whatever Ron said. What's the most interesting thing to you to look forward to on Friday? Yeah, I think the most interesting thing is just like the standard, the standard that they're trying to see from the guys. And it's kind of like what we talked about earlier in the week, like how it's not going to be perfect, but they, you know, they want to see how guys handle adversity. They want to see how sharp it is. They want to see the tempo. They want to see the finish and the strain that's required to be a good football team in the NFL. And I think that's something that, I can totally get behind. And as a coordinator, like at a much different level in high school, like that's something you're always looking for is do the, do the athletes, do the, the players that you're coaching understand what it takes to win. And we've talked a lot about the practice tempo, the practice energy and how they're kind of cultivating this environment of strain and grind and like mental, um, you know, kind of mental fatigue and, I think this is going to be an opportunity to see if it's paying off, right? Because like one of the things about this type this type of practice structure is if you're going at 100 miles an hour at the game when you have to go 85 or 90, everything's fine, everything's really smooth. So I'm ex- I'm, I'm really curious to see how the guys, how hard the guys are playing, the level of detail, how crisp it looks. I think that's something that I, I I'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised by. Is you know usually that first preseason game, there's always even with the one, the ones there's like a holding, there's a formation, and I think because of the standard that that's been set here by UB, I think that's something that we shouldn't see. So I'm expecting it to be very, very crisp. I'm expecting those guys to be, you know, if it looks good, I think they'll get out right. I think that's totally that's kind of what we were saying before, right? Like if it and that's kind of like standard operating procedure for offenses. If you look good, you're out. If it's if it's not looking as crisp, you're going to get some more time on the field, and I think that's. Kind of what we were saying on uh, whatever day that was um, to Wednesday, right? We were saying that on Wednesday or Tuesday, whenever we last talked about it. Whenever, I, whenever we did. What's yeah. a day? Who knows? Yeah, yes, right. So I, I expect it to be that, – that's that's kind of what I'm looking forward to is aggressive physical football that's very, very detail-oriented, and I'm hoping that the team delivers because that's what they've been showing in practice, and I think that's the standard that he be set. So hopefully they can abide by that. 
Yeah, no, I agree. One of the things I'm looking to is how quickly Sam gets the ball out. Um, it feels oh, yeah. like he's held it a little bit longer in practice. And it's actually something I've been meaning to ask you. Uh, so I will do that now. Have they been working on more down the field stuff, potentially some situations where it's like, Sam, don't hit your first read. We're going to want to work deeper in the progression. It does feel like the ball has not come out quite as quickly the last couple of practices. But I also know that the the coaches have said, like, they're very sharp. They've made some plays. So it's not like they're not producing, but it hasn't been. And again, like we always talk about how this what's the setup of the drill. And sometimes it's kind of hard to tell in real time. Um, But like, has the ball been coming out in a manner that it's supposed to? Uh, based off the drill from what you can tell these last couple of practices? I would tend to agree with you slightly that he has been holding the ball a little bit longer. I think a little bit of that is like the situation they did yesterday. They've done like two days of of like red zone, one low red kind of goal line and one like mid red Mm -hmm. zone. And those situations tend to be tough, tight window throws. And those have been interesting just to interject real quick. Like they'll, you know, they'll say they run eight plays and like seven of them will hold the ball because that's what happens in the red zone. And then the other one, it's like one-man show, option route. You are throwing the ball as soon as that guy breaks and praying. And you see that route, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And then, you know, other than that, it's it's the hold it and see if a guy can shake loose. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's part of the reason why he's been holding the ball a little longer. Obviously, like, I think – I just think the defensive backfield is doing a really good job too. You know, like – and as much as we want to be like, Sam, like, get the ball out. Like, there's times when you're watching practice and you're like – there is literally nowhere to go with the ball that that you feel really good about. You know, like there's there's throwing windows and there's lanes, but it's like that's tight. And I, you know, maybe you don't want the quarterback making those types of decisions. And they're just getting better and better at matching stuff. And I'm talking the defense here. And so yeah. the fact that he's holding the ball, I, I kind of think honestly, like when they go up against Cleveland, like it's going to be easy for Sam, easier in terms of finding throwing windows, finding lanes because they're going against a group that's super dialed in right now. Like the pass rush is great. We haven't talked about Jamin or um, Cody Barton for a couple of days, but Jamin has been excellent in coverage the past couple of days and really making a ton of plays and tight coverage and matching the back at a high level. And Cody's, you know, doing a great job. So I literally, everybody on the defense is playing well. I can't think of one guy where I'm like, man, I wish that dude was playing better here. He's not meeting expectations. So he's going up kind of against the juggernaut in practice, which is something we've talked about. So even though he's been holding the ball a little bit longer, like to your point, I would expect that to be a non-issue in the game because I think yeah. you're going to see sim- simpler coverage structures. You're going to see, um, you know, kind of day one, day two install stuff because that's kind of the standard, you know, for preseason game one. And I think, um, you know, I think that's what you're going to see. Is, is, is a, off, I, I'm going to see a more efficient, more on time Sam Howell, I would, I would assume. Yeah. I think it's been interesting too because they they did um, give Sam some reps with the twos the other day and, yeah. and you know never to keep his reps at least I'm guessing it's to keep his reps high full complement of them while also letting Jacoby get a little bit of work with the ones and I do sure. wonder if Jacoby will see some work with the ones in the preseason to let him operate a little bit behind that one offensive line specifically but I guess we'll find out on Friday but um, you know the two defensive backs are like. Danny Johnson, who's played a lot of NFL football, Quan Martin, right. Jeremy Reeves, Percy Butler, like Rashad Wild Goose is out there, who's also out there a ton with the ones. Sure. Like these DBs are good. And when you get to the threes, like Jake Fromm, I think, is having a good camp in part because the guys he's throwing to, like they've got 10 receivers that could make the rock, like are worthy of yeah. making the roster. Yeah. And after you get to like the the next, that three level, four level DB, that's where there's a, a, decent yeah. enough drop off that you're like oh well yeah that's that's better but like the two dbs have looked great um the depth back there and and it also i think is important to point that out because a lot of these guys like aquan martin like a rashad wild goose even danny johnson and christian holmes like they have rotated their corners enough in camp that some of these guys are getting reps with the ones um yeah. just to kind of get that practice and there's not a drop off and and that just shows the the togetherness, the communication, the understanding of the scheme, the understanding of the responsibilities, not to mention the individual skill level pretty far down the depth chart of that back seven. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, obviously that first group, the first, you know, like St. Juice, Fuller, yeah. uh, Forbes, Cam Curl, Forrest, then obviously there's a, like a dabble of Percy Butler, a dabble of Wild Goose in there. That group is, is awesome. And then as you kind of, again, like you said, as you move down, twos are a little bit less efficient. 
Threes are significantly less efficient, right? So it kind of moves in tiers. So, you know, Sam's going to go going against the ones the whole time. And that group is, is really looking very, very sharp. So, um, yeah, I, I think this is going to – that that is going to be a little bit of a relief for Sam, you know, when they get to the game. And I'm, I'm kind of excited to see – as I just – I generally think that they've been operating – offense now I'm talking about operating, – operating at such a high practice standard that when they get to the game, it'll feel – easy for him. And I think that's kind of one of the objectives of, of this new practice tempo and structure. Uh, how much do you think he will play? How much do you think he should play? Um, you know, I don't know. It's first preseason game. So probably something like we've been talking about, you know, if it goes well, probably not a lot. If it goes poorly more, you know, like I don't have any exact number, but like, you know, every team I've been on, that's kind of what it's been. You know, it's so funny because the coach coaches don't usually tell players, but when they do, it's like, oh, man, we got a series. Great. And then the series is a three and out for the offense, and the coach is pissed. And the OC is like, we need to go back out there. And you go back out there, and it's like a five-play series sequence. And it's like, that was that was bad. Let's do another one. And it's like – and then you then you get your seven or eight-play drive that ends in a field goal or a touchdown. It's like, okay, that was good. Everyone wants to end on a good note. So if the good note happens right away, great. Everyone's excited. If the good note, good note happens later, it's going to happen later. So – and I think it's the same thing for the defense. Like – Everyone wants to come out and feel very confident about the product they're putting on the field, offensively and defensively. And if and if it happens right away, twos, put the helmets on. Let's go out there. Let's play a lot of football. If not, I don't. Even, I, I don't know. I don't think they'll make it to half because I think it's so early in the preseason. Yeah. But I think it could be longer than people think potentially. I kind of hope so because I didn't get the chance to ask Rivera about this. I don't know. If, I don't know if people know this. Uh, we may have spent a few minutes on at the start of the podcast. There were other things that were discussed the past couple of days, um, but I didn't get a chance to ask Rivera how he's going to handle the preseason in in total, uh, which is something I was hoping to to ask him. But he did kind of oh, answer right. it in part in other questions, um, and he said like that third preseason game. Don't expect to see starters, and mm-hmm. I was like, that's interesting because as we've talked about on this show, you typically don't get a ton of game reps after you joint practice against the team. Yeah. I kind of think they are like, I feel like they're going to practice kinda, against yeah. Baltimore, practice against Baltimore, play against Baltimore. And that is again, different than the way they handle it. And that might be in part, you know, I don't think that business decisions impact football a ton, but like it is the only home preseason game. So maybe they want to get them a little bit more action, um, you know, getting used to FedEx field, whatever the, the routines and how everything is there. Like, I don't, I don't know. Obviously it's the first game of the Josh Harris era, but like that should not impact your preseason, but I have no idea what goes into to some of these decisions. Um, and it could be any number of factors. I tend to think it's just like, Hey, we're going to handle this like the regular preseason. And I would argue that that's a small mistake and not a catastrophic one, not one that's going to impact the season. Um, like, in any major way, but just, I would say that's not optimized. If it was me making this decision, I would do some in this first game, very little in the second game, a ton and not a ton, but like a play a half in the, in the final game sure. in part two, because you have two and a half weeks at that point until your first regular season game. And I don't want it to be almost a full month of no football right. um, against another team, but it does sound like they're going to handle this. Like most teams have handled the preseason since the change from four to three where they're going to play some this week, more next week, and then very little, and it's kind of on the roster cut guys uh, to make the team in week three. Yeah, well, I think it's important for you know you and I to remember that they probably have 44 roster spots pretty penciled in right now. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, I'd say, 40, I'd say 44 is a reasonable number with maybe a couple question marks. So let's say a solid, a solid 40, 42 for sure, for sure making the team. That's like... 10 slots you're working on right now. Right. So over the next couple of weeks, like if they get those 10 slots really like ironed out and you know exactly what's going on, like I want them, I want, I don't want any of those guys playing. Right. And everybody else, all these young guys can play and have a great time and get some film in that third game. And I've been a part of teams that have done that. Like since kind of the new CBA was when I kind of identified that as a thing that was happening more. So, um, you know, as much as we want to see guys and they got to get reps, like, they're taking hundred reps in practice on the regular. Like they're getting a ton of reps. They're looking sharp. Um, and so just do what you got to do to get out of this sucker healthy, I think is, is ultimately what it boils down to while making sure you're prepared for week one, you know, like where right. is that tipping point? And um, so I think that'll be, that, that makes what Ron said makes sense to me. 
Um, yeah. Even though, even though, like, kind of from a from a preparatory standpoint, it kind of would maybe make a little more sense to get maybe some more reps in the third game. But again, maybe the risk isn't worth the the reward. Yeah, I just I think we get like if you're gonna play a little bit more in one of the two, right, with the second or the third, I think there's this like. I don't know if it's it's like a cousin of recency bias, if you will. I don't know what the, what the exact terminology I'm looking for here is, but like, oh, if it happens in the, the if it happens earlier, then it's better, um, as opposed to like, oh, you're so close to the season now, you made it this far, sure, how could you? And sure. It's like they're the same reps. What's the difference if they happen in week two versus week three versus like from a ramp up optimization for the ready on the readiness side of the equation versus the risk side of the equation? Like, I actually think the readiness side gets helped. Again, I'm talking about. I don't know. Mar- I'm talking about the margins here. I, it's outside the box. Nobody does it that way. Anytime yeah. you do something the, the way that other people don't, there's inherent risk of you looking like an idiot. It's easy for me to sit here and say this stuff into a microphone. It's not my team. I don't have a new owner that's looking at my every move and, and examining my job for the future. Um, but it, it is one of those things that everybody does it the same way, and I'm not actually sure that it's the best way. But I also understand kind of why it happens and don't think ultimately it's that big of a deal. Sure. I agree. Um, last, last thing for us, uh, before we, we talk to Mr. Chick or I talk to Mr. Chick, uh, meetings today, Ooh, schedule, not great. Yeah, uh, not great. who's your, who's your August hero favorite? There's one of these every year yeah, where it's like, question. who's the guy who wins August? And then you're like, man, I don't know. He makes the team and then you don't see him again until next August. Yeah. Um, gosh, I think there's a couple guys that like are. Let's shout I, them out. Let's do yeah, it. Let's, so let's do offensive guys first. Obviously, there's the the two offensive linemen we've been talking about. Uh, John Smith, the guard, and Mason Brooks are guys that I think are playing good football right now. And obviously, you know, the preseason game is going to be, be a big deal for those guys. And. Um, you know, if you want to cut another guy in that group that I think for sure going to make the team a little different category is Chris Paul. He's had an excellent, like, past five days of practice. And mm-hmm. I think you look at the receivers, and obviously the top, like, John's been the best. But then you go down the depth chart, you say Dax is good, Diami's been good. And then those four young receivers are all doing a good job. You know, Casimir Allen's been getting small reps with the twos. You see how explosive he is. You see Tinsley kind of, again, you see his polish. The production hasn't matched that yet. You know, in terms of him getting a lot of catches in practice, but he's he's very he's made sharp. A couple, he's, he, his catches have come in the end zone, which yes. is not a bad place to have them. Right, right. But it's not been like it's not been like uh, you know Bryson Tremaine who catches like three three uh, three balls in a practice, you know, or Sample who's catching. It's like it's a very specific time for for Tinsley. But I do think he's like maybe the most polished receiver. So it'll be interesting to see kind of that group of guys in the preseason who differentiates himself, who's on teams. But I think. They're really lucky. I mean, I don't know. All those guys were undrafted free agents, and they're all doing a really good job. The tight ends, obviously. Uh, Cole Turner is a special football player. He's going to get a lot of burn. I'm curious to see how much he actually plays. We'll see. Yeah. Curtis Hodges, I want to see play a ton. Yeah, he has uh, not had a good camp. I actually, when I did my latest roster projection, I do not have him on right now. So it's interesting because I think he's – it's so funny, man. Like his – like we we got – this will take like five seconds, but – the stuff he's doing in line is good. The stuff he's doing from a route running standpoint is good. It's just, I think you're, what you're referring to is the lack of consistency in finishing, which we've talked about mm-hmm. for the last like 10 days or so. So can, does, does getting him in a preseason environment change that for him? You know? And the other guy who's had a really good last couple of days is, um, is Dylan. Is that his name? Yeah, that his 46. Name? yeah. He's actually done a nice job. And like, I thought he was no way in hell he's going to make the team, but again, eyes on both those guys for the preseason, that kind of, flushes out the offense in my opinion um obviously chris chris rodriguez but in terms of guys that i think really could be big burners those young receivers those young offensive linemen and uh one of those tight ends i think is going to step forward and make so i'll take i'll take uh mason brooks is going to mop somebody uh i'm i'm big mason brooks fan uh as everyone (laughs) else at this point uh and i'll go with tinsley i think he's going to score once or twice and i think he's got he's got big like the, we called it the Rashad Ross Award uh, last year. I think we yeah. can continue that because I like that. Oh, old, old Rocket Ross, that was that guy crushed the preseason. Uh, so I, I'll go Tinsley, uh, and I'll go I'll go Mason Brooks. That's a Kill. very solid yeah. two. I think that's a good two. And then I think you know you always have to say, you, have to, you yeah. always let me just say you have to say a running back always because yeah. like they get like a thousand carries at some point in the season. So I'm gonna say Christian Rodriguez, Chris Rodriguez has a, has a one yeah, you know, big game. 
You know who I think has got big, big potential to be like Jared Patterson a couple years ago? Gore. I think it's Nick Gore, 38. Oh, yeah. New yeah, kid yeah, they yeah. signed for, who's <laughs> played for EB in Kansas City. Yeah. You want a guy who, like, is the EB model of every single play, if you're the ball carrier, you sprint to the end zone. It doesn't matter how many guys fake tackle you because it's camp and nobody actually tackles because they're not allowed to uh, right. and they're not supposed to. He finishes and, like, He's quick. He's fast. Like yeah. I could, I could see him getting a lot of carries and doing well with them. Yeah, I, I agree for sure. So defense now. Is that we're doing? Yeah, let's hit hit a defense. I don't know what I don't I don't have a guy that's like. I mean, in a way, it's like the Jeremy Reeves award. He just kept making the team, and all of a sudden, he's he's the first All Pro they've had in a yeah. decade. Um, but who's who's the all who's the the all preseason team nominee? So just going by position, I think. Andre Jones has looked pretty sharp in practice the past couple of days. And he kind of looks like that guy. And he's a guy like, you know, Marcus white, remember Marcus white from back in like 2011 or 2012, like big athletic yeah. defensive end who has like two sacks and a forced fumble in a preseason game. Like I could definitely see that happening for him. KJ Henry is doing better, you know, like, uh, and he's fifth round pick. Maybe he kind of sparks and comes to life. Those keep an eye on both those guys. I'm higher on Andre Jones. I actually mentioned him on the show today. Um, and then, uh, linebackers, I think Milo would be a guy, Milo, Kalik, but Kalik's kind of already established. Yeah. He, he, you can't count, you can't count Kalik. He's like, he's going to make right? the team and might start. Yeah. Um, and then on the back end, golly, I feel like there's a young safety that's been really doing a great job and I just cannot remember. Oh, number, number 41 from Illinois. Uh, Ken, DJ Sturgis. Kendall Smith, isn't that the guy from okay. Illinois? Is that his name? Uh, 41. Kendall Smith is 40. 40, yeah. So 40. Yeah. And uh, he has flashed a little bit around the ball, but he was also very productive in college. So I'm kind of hoping that he's a gamer a little bit and comes up with like a turnover or, you know, a big hit or something. And um, yeah, those are guys from the back end that I'm kind of like, that. that's one guy just because of his college production. I'm like, just circle that guy and see yeah. what happens. Uh, apologies to Derek Gore. Derek Gore, not Nick Gore. Uh, oh. Some uh, old 38. Running fast, last name only, Gore. Uh, first name, <laughs> Derek. Apologies there. Uh, I got two guys for you. Uh, I, I shouted out Terrell Burgess the other day. I feel like yeah, he's got a solid out, plays in camp. Um, so we'll see We'll see what he does. But a guy that I keep just like, who's that big fella rumbling down the field, making stuff happen? Abdullah Anderson, big 92. Dude, he has been flashing a little bit, and he's a guy. Like, Wait, who's that but he, guy? But he's played football. He was on an active roster last year. He was on Atlanta's roster, wasn't he? Uh, I don't know about that. He's third. Like he's got three years of experience. He's twenty seven, so it's not like he's yeah. a super young guy. But like, yeah. I can see him making a couple of plays. I mean, I mean, Gore's twenty eight. Like, yeah, that's a good it, point. It's not necessarily a young guy who's who's gonna be like a future player. It's just like who's gonna be good in the preseason. You know? Yeah. That's a good. And, uh, uh, I'll go. I'll go. Abdullah Anderson, big old ninety-two. But he he is a guy that he flashes in one on ones, and you can tell like he's a guy that it was like me actually. You know, he's got a lot <laughs> of experience. That's going to be playing with guys who are not as good later in the game, and could have a lot of explosive plays going against a you know a less experienced offensive line. Um, but I will say this is something I wanted to point out before we end: Cleveland Browns offensive line very deep and very good. So they got some guys and they're yes. Callahan coach, aren't they? Yeah, uh, they are Callahan coach. So a lot of chip help, a lot of play action, a lot of heavy jump sets, all that kind of stuff. So it'll be a good test, I think, for the for the, for the ones, the twos, and the threes. And William, our producer, just said sixteen games yeah. started. So I don't know if he qualifies for what this award. Yeah, right? maybe not. Maybe not. But like he's he's definitely on the the line of making the team. So like I think right. in that but way like, it counts. Yeah, but it's like he's you know he's. He's been in the league, you know. Sure. That's my thought on that. So maybe pick another one. You know, well, I don't. I don't have another one. That <laughs> He's a guy. He qualifies because I didn't know his name before camp started, and now I do. That's Correct. my qualification. He does. He, he, does, he, does, he does flash. Yeah. Oh, um, what's his name? Uh, there's another guy we should shout out. Uh, Seventy-nine. Uh, uh, Benning. Benning. Yeah. He and again, he was on the team last year. He played some games, yeah. but he's a guy that I think on the defensive line, in addition to those two edge rushers that could make some waves because of his play style. Very aggressive hands, good athlete for being a, a bigger guy. Um, so he's a guy, yeah, I'd circle him too. If you're looking for a guy maybe a, with a little bit less experience than Anderson. so There you go. All right. Uh, let's talk to uh, Chick Hernandez, and then we'll come back, wrap things up here on Take Me. 
Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Our guest today is the play-by-play voice of the Commanders for this preseason. Longtime broadcaster in the D.C. area. Been covering the team for a long time. Play-by-play in other places as well. We call him Mr. Chick. You might have heard of him. Chick Hernandez. (laughs) Welcome to Take a Man, man. Do you know the uh, origin of Mr. Chick? I don't know the origin story of Mr. Chick. Okay, so Alfred Morris gets drafted, and I'm the first person to get him. Uh, I go and get him from his hometown and uh, do a nice interview. You know, I said, I'll see you in a few weeks for OTAs. OTAs happen. We go in the locker room, and you know, you know how the locker room works. We all start to, to gather. Alfred's got his back to us as he's getting himself prim and proper, and he turns around and looks at me and goes, oh, Mr. Chick. And at that point, I looked over at Mike Jones and John Kime and went, this is not good. I knew it was going <laughs> to stick from that. I knew it. I knew it. And as soon as we got out of the locker room, Jonesy's like, hey, Mr. Chick. I'm like, oh, here we go. And it stuck, you know, it's a nice little, you know, little honor. Uh, and I put it on my Twitter handle. Makes more sense. So that, there's your there's your origin. That's great. Uh, it's also the last interview Alfred Morris ever did. <laughs> he did get a little, a uh, little grumpy. wasn't uh, wasn't psyched to do much by the end. Uh, we got no, we got one no. really good interview out of him in twenty. It was twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen because I was doing the show with Santana. And let me tell you, doing the show with Santana Moss has its perks. Yeah. Uh, you sir, no though, question. Yeah, you sir will be getting to work uh, with with a guy that uh, everyone on this podcast is quite familiar with because he's he's typically here for it. Uh, that is Logan Paulson. You guys are yeah. on the call. Uh, it's you, B. Mitch, and Logan for the call. How do you prepare uh, for play by play on a preseason game? Because it's it's there's obviously a ton of players. Uh, you don't yeah. really know how the game flow is going. It's not like the result really matters. So how are you thinking about calling these games over the next couple of weeks? 180 players uh, total. Um, I'm also getting ready for my CBS gig for college football. So I'm getting ready for that game as well. Liberty and La Tech, I think. So I've got a lot of names and numbers in my head. Um, but the way this goes, and it's great that I have these two guys and B. Mitch and Logan, because um, I know B. Mitch can tell a story. And his story of you know him coming into the league and never having returned a punt or a kick in his life until the NFL and where he should be a future Hall of Famer. Uh, now is, is that story alone is is worth the price of admission and Logan's story as well. Um, and Logan has taken the bull by the horns when it comes to the prep, right? And the intel on a team, and that's that's huge. Um, I love listening to him, and we have to figure out a way that both those guys can get their points across. But as you said, I mean the outcome of the game is not the biggest deal. Uh, we're looking to see who is getting their name called. Um, and, and off of that, when, when the fourth string is in and they're trying to make a squad and we've got to tell some stories, well, then I can lean on those two guys who've been there, done that. Um, and the fact that I, the fact that I work with, for B, with B Mitch for 14 years, um, gives me a little bit of, uh, background for him and, and Logan and I have spent a few minutes here and there together. We just got finished, you know, having a coaches meeting and, and glean some stuff from them, uh, for the broadcast. So it's just about storytelling. Uh, and perspective from those two. I'm trying to get out of the way. I mean, I literally am just going to call the play and and get out of the way. Uh, and what's going to be interesting is B. Mitch is in the booth and Logan's on the field. Um, historically, that position has been an interview person. He will take care of interviews, but we really want him incorporated into the color analysis of it. So that's going to be interesting to see how that works between him and B. Mitch because visually we can't see him. So our producer's got to be really good on a, you know, Logan's got something and, and, and let him go. So that's going to be, it'll be fun. You know, it's, and we only got two games, unfortunately, because they made the Ravens game a Monday nighter. So ESPN took that. Um, but uh, this will be fun, man. And, 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 you know, you know, being out at camp, there's a bunch of great young talent out there that are doing some things. And, and the, the, the vibe 
the atmosphere is completely flipped 180 from the last 24 years. Yeah, it, the atmosphere is going to be different. I'm actually curious, like, what do you think? Like, I know the Arizona game week one is going to be nuts. Like, it's going to be sold out. FedEx is going to be awesome. What do you think? And obviously, that's not this week, but um, when when they eventually get to FedEx Field, like, what do you mm-hmm. think the preseason vibe will be at FedEx Field? Will that also be a big deal, or will that just be a warm up act? I think uh, it'll be a big deal. Um, you know, the the fan base has been starving for positivity out of this organization, and with the ownership change and and what those the Josh Harris and company what they've done even in their their short time as the ownership group, uh, you know, shaking hands and, you know, small things like, you know, this is going to sound funny, but providing ice cream for media. Okay. I mean, that's a small, it's a small little thing, but that's like, Hey, someone thought about us on a 99 degree day. Okay. That, that would never have taken place in the previous 24 years. I hate to bring that up, but that's, just, that's the way it is. Sure. Um, so I, I think, I think the fan base, I said, it, the fan base is going to come back. They, they, they left. I mean, they flat out left because they were ticked off at having to spend two paychecks and, and a horrible product. They're going to get a better uh, bang for their buck uh, coming back to FedEx Field, and they're excited. So I think the fan base is going to be back. Um, and that, in turn, for the guys who've been here, done that with the Burgundy and Gold, they're going to see a difference as well, which you can't, you can't fake energy. Right. And and they're going to provide that. And I think that's going to be it's going to be cool to watch for sure. For sure. We'll get to the football in a second. Last question on this, though, because I'm, I'm curious, like this is a team produced broadcast. Like that's how all the, the preseason broadcasts work. Right. We know B. Mitch is going to be honest anytime, anywhere. Both of us that know you know that you're going to be honest. But there's like a there's a let me be as brutal as I can be, but also professional. Like there, there's a, a sure. slider there. As you guys sure. prepare for this game, the first game of the Josh Harris era, is that on the topic list to talk about at some point during the game? Uh, I haven't seen that. I mean, I'm, I'm, we've been given a list of, of the B-rolls, the videos that you know, of players and stuff. I I I know me, um, and we've been we haven't been told to not talk about any topic. So I mean, I we were talking about the in our pre-production meeting. I mean, the first thing out of my mouth is going to be brand new day. It's a brand new day. Um, it's a brand new vibe ownership group. So it's going to be discussed. Um, and you know, we don't have to disparage the previous owner. All we got to do is talk about, cause that's what fans don't care anymore. Fans want to talk about what's, what's coming. Um, and that's, that's the flat out truth. So there's been, uh, it's a team produced broadcast. Um, and I'm sure, you know, if someone's having a horrible game, we might be lighter. I'm not sure B Mitch would be, but I don't have to be. I can just call the action, right? right. I can just call the action. But um, no, I, I, they've given us, you know, free reign to do what we're going to do. Um, and I think they hired, certainly hired the two players, former players, who are very honest. Me, it's 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 simple. I'm I'm honored that I got asked to do it. I'm excited about it. Um, and for a kid who grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland, to call the hometown franchises preseason games, which I did before for a few years with Joe Theismann. Um, but that was a different regime, and there were some edicts handed down. There's no edicts with this one. So, the football. Uh, obviously, okay. Sam Howell is the story. Um, with kind of 1A, 1B with the offensive line. They're very, they're very related. Um, but is there anything in particular that you look for in Howell or that after your conversations with the coaches that they're looking for in Howell that we should be looking for as we watch you guys on Friday? I think it's just, just for, for Sam Howell, it's decision-making and consistency. Simple as that. Just, you know, if you make the right decision, uh, they'll, it's okay if you make a mistake, but they want to see the right decision made and made on a consistent basis. That's what they're looking for from Sam Howell. That's what, that's what anybody is looking for from the QB1 is to have that. Uh, he has made strides from OTAs to now. Coach is very happy with what he's what he's done. Um, it's funny because, you know, we, we, we document training camp uh, or you guys document training camp. Um, and you know, when it's put on Twitter, oh, he threw up, you know, threw two picks today. It really, you know, for the coaching staff, for Eric Bannemi and company, they're looking with the picks made out of uh, a poor decision or just 
trying to force the ball in some place, um, you know. And so I, it's, it's consistency for Sam Howell. And I, I would expect to see him uh, in that first quarter, uh, certainly starting the game. Um, and, you know, if things go well, I don't think you see him for long. That's interesting. Um, and, and the other thing, too, Chick, is like, I'm, I wonder if you guys got to talk about this with the coaches. Like, typically when you have a joint practice with a team, you do not actually play the players a ton in that game. So, right, they'll play Baltimore – uh, they'll have the joints with Baltimore, and then they'll play the game, and you would imagine that most of the work happens for the starters in the actual practices, not in that game. And then Ron already said, we're not going to play them a ton in that third and final preseason game. So how much do you expect right. to see, and how much, you know, both, like, how much do you expect, and then you're a man with opinions, and you're allowed to have them. Uh, what, how, how much sure. should we see uh, <laughs> these these guys, and specifically a guy like Hal, who does need the reps, does need the experience, or at least it seems that he would based off the fact that he doesn't have it uh, from previous years? Yeah, it's amazing to me. You know, when I first came up, there was six preseason games, and then it was four. Yeah, six. I see your face. Right? I, I actually six didn't know that that was games. a thing. There was a six preseason game. This is long ago, long time ago. And then it went to four. And it was like, oh, they're cutting down to four. And now it's down to three. Um, I would expect to see Sam Howell for the first quarter. Um, like I said, if things go really, really well, it won't be the first quarter. Um, what I'd like to see is I'd like to see him play the first quarter. Thanks again to Chick Hernandez. Uh, no thanks to Chick's phone and the fact that it, it saved itself from overheating by shutting off in the middle of the interview. But glad we got a good 12, 13 minutes in with Mr. Chick. Of course, uh, Chick, Logan, B. Mitch on the call on Friday. Real quick before we go, Logan, shout out to our producer exiting, Nick Berlansky. Yeah, this is his last so episode. Uh, we're happy to have our, our new producer, uh, young William Foshi, with us today in the, in the, the room as well. Uh, but Nick has been our producer for most of the last like six, seven months. Yeah. Uh, he took on the job and uh, has done a, just a phenomenal job. Works his tail off. Uh, super professional. We he made on camera appearances uh, doing Nick's numbers. He had his own yeah. segment uh, to help us get through the doldrums of the off season. Uh, so he, he's got a great new job lined up with Sports Illustrated. Uh, we're gonna miss him here in the Odyssey family, and we'll certainly miss him here on Take Command. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot, Nick. You were great, and you did a freaking fantastic job, but good luck with everything. And he's getting married soon, so congrats yeah. on that, too. Yeah, Yeah, congrats. I think this weekend. <laughs> this he's, weekend. He's, leaving, he's leaving us. He's going to go get married. <laughs> he can start a job, a new man. Love to see it. Love to see it. <laughs> he's putting in the chat. Oh, yeah, Saturday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> forgot about that. How could I slip my mind? That is a weird thing. When I don't, Logan, I don't remember to your wedding. I'm coming up on my, my one year, but it's like, that's like coming up soon. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's it's the Wednesday yeah. before. There's not like, I don't know, it's, something should feel different, but it's just Wednesday. And then on Saturday, I'm going to be married. Dude, that's crazy. You guys, a year? I think I'm on like 11. And I've been yeah. with my wife for like 17 years. So it's like, yeah. you know, we're in it. We're, we've been in it for a while. You don't remember just, that long ago. I don't remember. Yeah. And CTE no. is a real deal. So. And on that note, <laughs> we'll, Bye. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see it. A review the game on uh, on Monday here on Taking.